Hello, and welcome to another episode of Myths and Stories, a Destiny 2 lore podcast. Uh, So tonight, we are doing something that uh, we have been looking forward to, and I think alluding to, for a while now in some of our previous episodes, wherever these particular creatures have come up. Uh, So we are going to be doing a study and kind of history on... The Ahamkara. Uh, yeah, I'm so excited. This, yeah, this this is gonna be this is gonna be a fun one. Um, because even you know some some players maybe you're very new to the game maybe you've literally never heard of them outside of those gloves hunters wear in PvP. Uh, and others maybe you are very familiar with the Ahamkara from the Forsaken expansion and uh, you know the dealings there with with the Last Wish raid. Um, but they have had their, their place in history for a really long time in the destiny universe and, and have touched a lot more than I think most people realize. Possibly some of the oldest creatures in the universe. Yes. Yes. Like that's, and, and we've theorized on that before too, like the, the similarities between them and, and the worm gods, like it's. I'm I'm so mm-hmm. excited we're finally doing this episode. Like I I I mean that's that's like the epitome of video games, right? It's like dragons, like that's why people love Skyrim, like dragons, like the, the Dungeons and Dragons is called Dungeons and Dragons because they're dragons. Like <laughs> yeah, Destiny has dragons. Uh so yeah. Uh yeah, let's let's dive right in then. I'm I'm ah, I'm so excited. Uh <laughs> Let's start off uh, like we usually do. Uh, What is an Ahamkara? Yes. So uh, an Ahamkara, also referred to as a wish dragon, uh, was a a being that grants wishes or desires. Um, And although they typically took the form of reptilian-looking things, um, they are shapeshifters. They, They were known to take... Uh, any form that they needed to to uh, give them an advantage of procuring a deal or or making a uh, you know making a desire come true. Um, now they were very conniving beings. The, these were very intelligent beings. Uh, they often had goals that were not really easy to easy to see from from the outside like they were they were very guarded with what they were actually trying to to do uh and i would say outside of maybe savathun they were the most cunning and uh i don't know if deceitful is the right word but deceitful uh things so yeah there there were um because and and the reason why they wanted to grant these wishes and make these deals with with people to make their desires come true is because they got something out of each of those wishes or desires uh in two ways so the first way is a very simple someone making a wish to an ahamkara exacted a price uh, and the very first 
little lore snippet we're going to look at that confirms that is actually from D1 during the Age of Triumph. There was an item called the Knuckles of Ao. Uh, and the Knuckles of Ao, Ao being one of these Ahamkara that we'll talk about in more detail later, uh, the statement on that item is, Boons I grant you, O bearer mine, but debts must be paid in time. Ooh, ominous. So Ahamkara would very regularly make a deal with the understanding that that deal was going to either require payment or sometimes the payment was something that was how the deal worked out for that person. Like like it like a like a like a negative effect for the person or like a maybe not a negative effect for the person, but uh a an, an effect that the person wasn't exactly meaning to happen. Yes. Right. Because that's yeah. we every time we've talked about him, we've always talked about uh monkey paw uh wish magic. And that's like the whole thing of like uh, the, the, my my best way of describing it is like you come across a wish granting being and you say, I wish for a million bucks. And they go, okay, done. And a million deer appear around you. And you're like, no, no, no. I, I wish for a million dollars. And they go, okay, done. And so a million doll hairs appear around you. So it's 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 one of those like, you you know what, like, it, you almost have to be super, super exact with what you're wishing. Yeah. But even with these Ahamkara, it's, you don't even have to like verbally uh, uh, express your wish. You can just, you know, it, it, a lot of it is that desire. And we see that a lot in tons of readings, uh, with any lore readings with Amkara. It's all, you know, is that a desire? We talked about it in, um, when we did our Uldren Sov, uh, uh, episodes, uh, and his corruption back when we talked about the, the kind of the downfall, of the Awoken, uh, after the Battle of Saturn. And, parts of those was like does he wish it does he desire it like that's that's you know him him yeah. making wishes making desires so yeah it's it's a it's a very fucky magic is what it is <laughs> <laughs> well and yeah cuz it it doesn't have very clear cut rules it seems to be in some cases speaking the wish is what enables it in other cases it's thinking the words i wish are what enable it but the 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 phrasing doesn't even need to be that exact so yeah what what ahamkara are looking for outside of entertainment because honestly they do enjoy toying with quote unquote lesser beings um is sustenance i was going to say do they do they actually get like nourishment from this the way that the way that like uh, we theorized uh, the the worm gods get it uh, through through the the devotion of each uh, uh, like each knight each each wizard each acolyte each thrall all that energy kind of feeds up the chain to eventually feed mommy's idol and feed the upending. Yeah. Now there isn't a chain with Ahamkara um, between each other, but there appears to be a chain between an Ahamkara and anything within some general vicinity around it. Um, Holy shit. So it, it can potentially draw energy to feed itself off of anyone within some unknown distance uh, 
around it that it has its attention on that makes a wish or has a strong desire. And we can look and see kind of a a little bit of an explanation of what that is uh, in two lore cards or, or pieces of two lore cards here. So the first one is uh, from the book, The Awoken of the Reef, um, and it is the chapter titled Telic 2. And this is just going to be the very first paragraph, um, because that's the only piece that's relevant here, but uh, it explains some of this. So it goes like this. It was Mara alone who established a covenant with that young Ahamkara, which chose the use name Riven in honor of its host. It was Mara alone whose singular will and unity of purpose saved the Awoken from that which we now na- which we now name the Anthem Anatheme. For there was in Mara very little division between reality as is and reality as desired. She was confident in her centuries of purpose and patient with the winding way by which the river of methods reaches the objective ocean. Blessed are those who in their absolute selfhood become selfless. Unappetizing are those who in their truest self-knowledge exclude the possibility of self-deceit. And we're going to end the reading there. So there's there's two relevant bits here that I want to touch on. One is that Anna and I'm going to screw that up as many times as I've said it. <laughs> Anna Anatheme is that what Anthem Anatheme Anthem Anatheme. That is the 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 O noun mind. That's, yes. That's that that any anywhere you see uh, Ahamkara talking or 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 <laughs> as we will learn people trying to imitate Ahamkara. Uh, the O noun mine is the, that's, it's, it's like they're surrounding the being with the O in the mine. And therefore they are, they are fully feeding off of that entity. That is, that is that noun. Yeah. Uh, You, you can, you can think of it as a little bit of a magic spell. Yeah. Uh, the, the Ahamkara or whatever it is, um, that states that phrase is asserting ownership or domination over whatever the noun of the phrase is. So yeah. um, it, it, there's, there's a definition of it, actually. Uh, it is the desire to change one's reality to suit one's purpose or to dominate the objective universe with the subjective will. So that's that's kind of the other part that I wanted to touch on in here too. Uh the the thought of Mara, she was so sure of herself and so sure and of of everything that was happening around her that it was hard for the Nahamkara to distinguish or even people around her to distinguish uh what what her what is and what her will is because she was she was so exact and like I know she's so she's so sure of herself she's she was like I know this is going to happen therefore it will happen and so riven in this instance uh this this particular ahamkara uh absolutely adored mara because it couldn't really feed off of her 
and it was it was such a it was such a different experience for this ahamkara uh versus anything it's ever seen before cuz you know it comes across something oh such and such mine okay start feeding yay perfect now i'm now i'm sated now i'm good and i'm going to keep feeding but then she comes across mara and it's like wait a second this this being is saying that everything around her is the way it is because she wills it that way i i can't I can't feed off of that. What do I do? <laughs> yeah. So it's so it was it's it's that's like the one instance uh that at least I know of that that w- that it was like that for an ahamkara. And so that that that's kind of the other part of it is that 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 exertion of will um I, I think is more of is more of what the aham I don't, I don't know that's what the aham, I think the ahamkara still feed off of the desire itself but that that exertion of will I think is almost coming the the ahamkar the the feeding off the desire is what pushes the ahamkara's will outward is what I feel like. But yeah. So I, yeah, we we have um, some further explanation of the anthem anatheme. Uh, this is in the book Truth to Power, which I know is contested as far as how much you should believe from it. But this know, specific I think section, there's a lot of it from that one that I believe. Uh, there there's. There are a lot of grains of truth within it. And yeah. this specific section is called out by Ikora in the hidden dossier um, as being accurate, as being true. Okay. Uh, and if Ikora says it, that means she's done her research and her homework and her and her hidden right. done everything, right? That's what we're taking we're taking that one at more than face value. <laughs> Well, and we will see that Ikora has a lot of experience with the anthem and a theme. Yes, she uh, does. Personal experience. But so this description from Truth to Power, specifically the chapter Theatus Brave, um, about halfway down or so, um, says that uh, riven your desires from your intents. It wanted you here, just as all life must feed on an energy gradient, it feeds on the separation between subjective desire and objective reality. It is the opposite of fire, for as fire feeds on the reduction of order to disorder, Riven feeds on the anthem and a theme, which is the perverse coercion of reality to match desire. As the human body breaks down matter for fuel, so she desires the digestion of objectivity to conform to your subjective will. She is the acid, but you are the mouth which eats for her. So yeah, that's 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 the that's the sustenance there. That's she her the actual feeding there that's happening is she. And I say we keep saying she in, in reference to Riven, but any ahamkara uh, theoretically uh, operates the same way. Uh, that actual uh, will will given form, <laughs> I guess, is the yeah. is another way to put it. Um, is an actual energy source for them, How, like a feeding source for them. I, 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 I don't know of any other way to state it other than that's that is how they live. They like. They, uh, an ahamkara doesn't have to like go hunt meat or or go. It's not a. It's not an herbivore or anything like that. Like, it it just feeds off of this this ability here. This this fucky wish magic. <laughs> and th- this is an important distinction here. Ahamkara, as far as we know, a are immortal. 
even yep. if they were never to eat, if they were never to feed, they wouldn't grow in power. They may very well diminish in power, but they wouldn't die, or at least not for a very long time. Uh, however, Ahamkara have no way to feed themselves. They need... Ahamkara can't feed off another Ahamkara. Right. They, they, well, because an Ahamkara, innately by its nature, the world is whatever it wills it to be. Oh my there God. is it, it literally can't have a desire because once it wishes for something, it can just fulfill its own wish. That's so that's so that's such fucky logic, but I like it. I don't know why. I'm so I love these things. They're so there's so much intrigue with them, and there's so much like like I don't know, there's just so much about them that just feels like a mystery that it's I yeah. So yeah. let's I'm gonna try and take all of that mumbo jumbo that we just talked about and, and <laughs> solidify it into something that's hopefully slightly more understandable. I was going to say that there were a lot of big words in those were in there. Yeah. So <laughs> all you need to remember about the anthem and a theme is it is the O noun mine. O bearer mine, O murderer mine, O whatever mine. And all that is, it's the it's that is the spell the Ahamkara is casting on whoever it is talking to, to put this this web of influence over that person. Once that has been done, the Ahamkara now is sensing, I guess is the best word, desires and wishes from whoever their prey happens to be. And as long as that prey is someone that wishes the world was different than how it is, you know, be that they wish, wish they were richer, wish they were more powerful, or it could be an emotional thing. They wish to have, find true love or, or have revenge on somebody. As long as they have a want to change the world to match a picture in their head that energy that gap between the world as it is and the world as this person wants it to be is what the ahamkara feeds off of that is their food and in some cases it, it seems almost like the flow of that of that wish being granted is, is just kind of a byproduct of feeding. Like, like they, they, like someone wishes it to be and, and the, the Ahamkara is like, "Mm, nom, 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 nom. Okay. Whatever. It's fine. Yeah. Or, or almost the act of feeding for the Ahamkara, like grants the wish without, you know, whether or not the Ahamkara wants it to. Cause, cause theoretically, Oh, I see. They, they could just never grant it. Right. And, and feed continually. So I think I think the act of them feeding on that energy turns that desire into reality. I like it. However, the Ahamkara have a little bit of a say as to how that you know, how that forms in reality. Um and that's where that that monkey paw wish comes in where it's not it's not always the way the the wisher intends or wanted and in fact, the Ahamkara is better off making it not what the wisher wanted, because then they will keep wishing for that change. Exactly. 
then you then you can create like an infinite well not yeah no i I'd, I'd say infinite feeding source yeah in some Why cases not? yeah absolutely especially if the beating being they're feeding off of is either immortal or lives for a very 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 long time like mm-hmm. there's no reason there's no reason to switch feeding sources if you can be like oh i wish for that like 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 i said that idea of like i wish for a million bucks okay here's a million here's a million deer and you're like no 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 wait wait no let a million dollars okay well here's a million doll hairs no 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 bills i want a million bills okay here's a million ducks and it just keeps going and it just keeps keeps doing that just so that way each time it does it's like okay now now you, you are still wanting you you as the end user is still desiring therefore i can still feed as the ahamkara now it does seem that the ahamkara ability to feed uh they get more energy the more powerful the being is that they feed off of so an Ahamkara is not terribly inclined to grant the wish of a random civilian, you know, civilian of the last city or, you know, a like random elixir or something. Yeah. Right. They're, they're not really all that inclined to grant that because that's like a crumb to them uh, versus someone that is significantly more powerful, such as a guardian or an awoken. Uh, they, you know, that is a buffet to Ahamkara. So, we've established what Ahamkara are. They're these wish dragon beings. They grant wishes because they feed off them and or they can exact a price for their wish, uh, for their bargain. Now, the next question is where did they come from? Yeah. Because we talk about them being super old, but like, how old is old? Are they, are they really from the beginning of the universe? Right. I, I think they are. So there are a couple theories here, and none of them are proven, but uh, one theory is that they are byproducts of the Traveler itself, and uh, because they seem to be sighted wherever the traveler goes is where they have showed up in the past. Uh, and there are certainly some grounds for that theory, but it's not the one I personally subscribe to. Um, I subscribe more to what is coined as the garden theory. And the garden theory comes from uh, a lore entry in the unveiling book. Uh, and in fact, I think it is the first lore entry of the unveiling book. Uh, entitled Gardener and Winnower, and this one goes like this. Once upon a time, a gardener and a winnower lived together in a garden. It was once before a time because time had not yet begun, and we did not live. We existed as principles of ontological dynamics that emerged from mathematical structures as bodiless and inevitable. It was the field of possibility that prefigured existence that we called the garden. They existed, these two, because they had to exist. They had no antecedent and no constituents, and there is no instrument of causality by which they could be proportioned into components and assigned to some schematic of their origin. 
If you followed the umbilical of history in search of some ultimate atavistic embryo that became them, you would end your journey marooned here in this garden. All this is to say, the garden is the first thing that ever became a thing. In the morning, the gardener pushed seeds down from the wet loom of the garden to see what they would become. And in the evening, the winnower reaped the day's crop and separated what would flourish from what had failed. The day was longer than all of time, and the night was swifter than a glint of light on a falling sugar crystal. Insects buzzed between the flowers, and worms slithered beneath the roots, feeding on what was and what might be the first gradient in existence, the first dynamo of life. So I'm going to pause there. God, such a, such, there's so much, there's so much in there that I'm just like, oh my God, dude, we've talked so much about all of this stuff. Like the whole idea of the, the, the garden is, is what existed before the existence of anything. It was the first thing to exist uh the 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 gardener and the winnower themselves are they they are the they they exist because they have to exist because they they have no predecessors they have no they they are what they are we we've always talked about you know one of them could be the traveler one of them i think we're pretty definitive that it is the witness uh uh and the whole idea of like the seeds that they're pushing in are different universes that are being created like I mean, it, it, the whole idea of a multiverse, like one of the one of the seeds they pushed in could have been the Halo universe, you know, like that's that's yeah. why we have like Halo guns in Destiny because they they crossed like Zer went and found them like the nine was like hey look here's stuff over here come bring it over here why not like I I love all of these these ideas and then the 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 um, the worms that feed on them uh, I'm I'm taking that as to be like the well i guess i guess we could take it one of either way i'm taking it as the worms the worm gods uh themselves uh or a predecessor to the worm gods yeah and that last section in particular is the one that we want to pay attention to here in regards to the ahamkara garden origin um so the day was longer in all of time the night was swifter than a glint of light uh, insects buzzed between the flowers and worms slithered between the roots, feeding on what was and what might be. So the feeding on what was and what might be, that is what the Ahamkara, Ahamkara do. They yep. feed on the difference between what reality is and what someone wants it to be. I think, similarly to you, that the worms slithering between the roots are the worm gods or what became the worm gods. I think the insects that buzz between the flowers are the Ahamkara or what became the Ahamkara. I think you're right. Like I, I, I had, I have two ideas on it. Like, like the one is, is that, that exact, like the, there are two different beings. Cause again, thinking of the worms themselves, they have a similar feeding feel. Like there, there is an energy feeding, like they technically granted a wish to the three sisters at the at the center of fundament to say okay well you want to you know what you want to be powerful and you want to take over and 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 make the osmium king or the osmium dynasty last forever basically here you go here's some worms they'll make you live forever 
but you kind of have to, you know, it that that energy has to go somewhere and it has to come from somewhere. So here's this energy chain that we've created. Mm-hmm. Um and so it, like there there's that idea of that it's it's there there're two different things or the idea that both the worms and the ahamkara evolve from the same being. But I think I'm starting to lean more towards this this second idea of the the insects being the ahamkara and the worms being exactly that, the worms. Yeah, I, I, I've i definitely heard the idea that they, and I think even Truth to Power, um, one of the statements in there is about the possibility of these two having a, a similar ancestor that split off. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm more inclined to be that they're two separate things, the insects and the worms. They fed off the same thing because that was the only the only thing yep. to feed off was this, this was the only energy uh, in the garden. Um, and, you know, I, I'm guessing that the Ahamkara seem to have stayed a little truer to that original food source. Whereas I think the worms either out of necessity or, you know, something else, they have evolved it where I, or, or it's a, it's an offshoot where it's, they are still feeding off of the world as is versus one's desire to make it different, but they seem to have focused solely on the desire to be more powerful. Oh, sure. It doesn't necessarily have to be different. It has to be more powerful. I see what you're saying. Whereas like well, the, that, the that being the difference. Right, right, right. But, but the Ahamkara, it, it the the difference doesn't have to be a power difference. Right. It can be an emotion. It can be a, a feeling or something. Whereas like the worms is very specifically that that difference has to be a power difference. Which is interesting because there that is also kind of uh can can be attributed to the same um rules of light and dark. You know for sword logic for dark, which we attribute the worms to it is the like always growing more powerful. The simplest path to power is the correct path. And for the light, it is the evolution in complexity is the correct path. And we're seeing kind of similarly worms associated with dark. They're all about a power chain to feed themselves. Ahamkara, not necessarily associated with light, but they follow the traveler around I, uh, they are a little more complex. Is there is there any instance where a an ahamkara has been associated with darkness, or is it is it all pretty much like we've only found them where the traveler has been? Therefore, we we're pretty sure they're associated with light, or or at least complexity. I like I like I like the idea of associating them with complexity rather than light, because again, thinking of the thinking of the different. Uh, um, idea ideologies there of the light that again kind of like mirroring it together the light does have the complexity there and it wants to look towards something more complex to thrive whereas the darkness is more of the find the single thing that exists and that thing exists because everything else has has failed and therefore this thing is the most powerful so there's nothing specific to tie the ahamkara to the light or to the traveler other than they seem to pretty consistently show up in the traveler's wake. Okay. Um, 
Now that could be a connection or that could simply be that they have attached themselves as knowing wherever the traveler goes, really powerful things happen and therefore we can feed off that. Because those are high paracausal areas that they can feed off of. Yeah. Now, if anything... We could, knowing what we know now about darkness, we could maybe say that technically the the anthem anatheme or, or the the feeding method of ahamkara is probably tied closer to dark energy than light because it is a a mental manifestation of desire in the form of energy that feeds them. Interesting. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. I could. Yeah. I see. Yeah, because we we always talked about uh, and and hell last episode we did with with Strand uh, talking about how darkness powers are uh, they're not necessarily emotion driven they're um, what, what would you call that metaphysical driven yeah. so yeah yeah I could see that I don't know man now <laughs> now I don't know if Aham cars are light or dark or both or whatever. <laughs> Well, and I don't, I don't think they would personally bother themselves with class being classified in one or the other. I, I think uh, you're right. I don't think they would either. I, I don't think they see those powers. You know, a, again, guardians until I uh, recently saw light and dark as good and bad, but that that is very clearly not the case. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so you know, Ahamkara just like it's just paracausal energy. I do what I want with it, kind of thing. I, I do what I want. um so yeah so we we believe and i i think uh it's probably likely that their origins come from the garden before time and when the gardener and the winnower had their altercation uh i guess that led to the creation of our current destiny universe uh and they they you know kind of fell into our universe along with the the light and dark powers or energies um i think the worms and the insects just followed them or were caught in the caught in the confrontation and ended up here and are making the best of it I i think you're right i think i think they're here purely out of out of happenstance like they they and now now it's and and again, I think we talked about this with the with the witness of the witness very much. See, now that I say this, now I'm thinking of of other things that we're going to talk about tonight too. Uh, the witness very much, I th- I think, didn't want to be here in this unit. Like he was only here because the light was here, and he was like, okay, well, because you're here, I have to be here to make sure to that balance you it. Yeah, yeah, to make sure that you don't fuck something up cuz you've already you already stated by putting paracausal light energies in into this universe, somebody has to watch it. So, somebody's got to watch you to make sure you're watching it, right? Like that's the <laughs> that's the whole thing with the two of them. And I don't think he ever wanted to be here in the first place. Like he saw everything that he yeah. was doing as the exact perfect thing to be doing. Like, yeah, these 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 universes failed. This this garden this this should be reaped at the end of the day so yeah it it i don't know now that i think about the ahamkaras and some of the lore entries there i don't know maybe maybe they are a little dark maybe they don't they didn't really (laughs) want to be here (laughs) because that was another theory that we talked about too about the the big triangle portal uh that's sitting in front of the traveler right now and that the witness went through like 
did he just go to the higher universe? Did he just go up a level? Like, did he right. did he extract himself to the to that that non area? Like, I don't know. Maybe he went to the original garden. Yeah. Um. So regardless, the the Ahamkara are here alongside the worms, both of which uh, use the anthem and theme, the the O noun mine, um, throughout various lore cards. Um showing that there's some kind of relation to uh, either their origins and or their the way that their power works. Uh, similarly, the very first encounter, a recorded encounter, that we have with the Ahamkara is not between the Guardians and Ahamkara on Soul. It is between the Hive and Ahamkara when they're fighting the Harmony. Really? So, if we look... Is this like Books of Sorrow level? If we look at Books of Sorrow... Yeah, yeah. see? I remember some of our homework. (laughs) So, if we look at Books of Sorrow, um, specifically, verse 5-4, titled The Gift Mast, uh, there's a few pieces here that peek out. So uh, I'm not going to read through the whole thing, but I'm going to read the the sections that are most relevant. So it says, In its light lived the harmony, uh, excuse me, the gift mast. It towers above the star system like a monument to treason. It beams with silver light. It sings a radio lullaby made of soothing lies. And in its light lived the harmony, and they are now our prey. Now arrives Shivu Arath at the head of her armada. She fights the Harmony for fifty years with strategies and discipline. But the Harmony turned to dragon wishes, and their wishful bishops wrestle Sivu into the ascendant plane. Goes on about their st- how much they're beaten back in Shivu and Savathun and such strategize. Uh, and the next section here that's relevant. Shivu Arath kills the wishful bishops, and Savathun achieves some secret purpose, and Oryx's court tears down the gift mast. The Harmony people wail in terror, and they throw themselves into the silver lakes of Anna Harmony to drown. So again, these wishful bishops of the Harmony that turn dragon wishes against Shivu Arath. I feel like Sound kind of pretty, kinda, pretty kinda definitively Ahamkara. Also, like the sheer thought of like, well, we don't have wish magic. We're fucked. And they all just kill themselves. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> holy shit. Wish magic is powerful, but damn. <laughs> so we get further confirmation uh, later in the Books of Sorrow. Uh, this is verse 5-3. It says, I'd shut them all in cells. Um, and this is written from the point of view of Shivu Arath, um, where she says, where are they? Uh, here we go. She says, the dragons, our gods should be ours alone. Their smug freedom is an insult to me. I'd shut them all in cells. Bring them to me. Yeah, she, so, she doesn't like them either. She's very, she's very specifically, you know, the dragons. Yep. Of harmony, harmony's wish, wish dragons. 
Like, uh, and she's drawing parallels between them and the worm God saying yeah. our God should be ours alone. Yeah. Now, I, I don't know that perhaps they look similar in some way. Um, I, you could maybe argue that, um, like Riven is worm like, uh, but again, they're shapeshifters. They can be whatever they want. Right. Uh, so it, I think Shivu is more identifying that their wishes work similarly to how the worm gods grant power. And she understands that. Yeah, I th- I think you're right in that aspect. I th- I think that's the that's the similarity that she is drawing is that that the power that she's seeing happen in front of her is identical to what the power she is using herself. Therefore, they must be of the same uh, God. And I put that in quotations like right. Uh, um, so yeah, so that idea of like our gods are our should be ours alone, meaning we as the we as the hive should be the only ones to have access to to this this magic this this form of power uh by way of the worm gods and therefore yeah no wish dragon's bad kill them all or cage them all and bring them to me so i can do whatever i need to with them right and the other thing that's interesting here their smug freedom is an insult to me i don't know how much of that is shivu talking and how much of that is her worm talking i wonder if the worm gods know that once upon a time they they were similar and maybe resent the ahamkara for not being tied to another being for survival in the same way that they are with the hive i was gonna say the worms are very dependent on the hives like the worms themselves cannot survive without that feeding of through the hive like I mean, like the the whole like to to think of it like as far as like a timeline, Rulk went into the into into Fundament, uh, beat the shit out of Leviathan, went all the way down, stole Mommy's idol. Mommy's idol was like, um, hey, how about we create a power chain that way I don't die and my kids don't die. And he's like, fine, whatever, don't care. It feeds my my big bada boom machine. Takes her. Well, now that energy's got to come from somewhere. So then baby worms are like, well, shit. Uh, there's this thing living on the surface. Come, come find us. Come find us. Okay, now we'll grant you powers. Okay, now you can grant other people's powers, but all that energy still has to go somewhere, and we're still going to feed off of it, so that way we can keep mommy's idol alive. So yeah, yeah. I like to to think of like that idea of of entrapment. Like the worm gods are very much. I, I, again, I almost think of fundament itself as a prison. Like I don't oh, know. I think it. I think it is in a yeah. lot of ways. <laughs> so uh, yeah, to to think that the worms are that level of trapped of they have to have that energy to feed, whereas like or they have to have that energy and they have to have that feeding to survive to live to even exist. It seems whereas like the wish dragons, they just kind of like they're just kind of like willy nilly everywhere, and they're just like yeah, we'll feed. We're we're cool. But <laughs> if we do, we do. If we don't, we don't. It's whatever. It's cool, bruh. Well, and it's it's interesting that a culture, the the harmony, and um, for for those unaware that I uh, maybe haven't listened to our Books of Sorrow go, series, go to our Books of Sorrow series, <laughs> <laughs> self plug, um, yeah. So the harmony were a race of people that were visited by the traveler, and the traveler gave them this weapon 
that uh, sat in the middle of a black hole and got its energy from the black from the black hole called the gift mast. Uh, and so it's interesting that this this group, the Harmony, were visited by the traveler, gifted with great power in at least the form of of this weapon, and then were visited by the wish dragons and had such a uh those dragons had such an impact on them that they had presumably either a religious or military force that was focused around the use of wishes these wish bishops as they called them uh so there there was a very close relation between the harmony and the ahamkara uh, prior to their destruction. I mean, like we said, so much so that like when they lost their wish dragons, they they saw that as the end of the end of the, the end of everything. Mm-hmm. They threw themselves into the rivers to to kill themselves to be like, well, we don't have our wish dragons. That's it. That's game over. So yeah, like to be that tied to uh, the 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 wish magic. I don't know, man. That's pretty powerful stuff. So. Wish dragons show up in another place before the soul system. Uh, and that is with a group that we are very familiar with by the name of the Cabal. Yeah. Uh, now, again, remember, harmony, civilization that lives around a black hole, use, is a very close relationship with the Ahamkara. Remember that as I read. Uh, this piece from the uh, Lightfall Collector's Edition lore book um, about Keitel and her kind of upbringing. So this excerpt is a conversation between Keitel and her father, Callus, And it goes like this. Father, I say, I want to ask you something. He sips from a goblet, an overturned bell better than five thousand years old. Of course, of course. What did you want when you took the throne? Want, want, he beams at me. Now you're asking the right questions. Not duty, but but want. What I wanted, my star, was to make the world better for you. A piece of my heart wails to believe him. But I was not yet conceived. What did you want for yourself? Other than the chance to conceive you, my star, well, he fishes around the edges of his throne and holds up something knobby and worn down. Very few cabal will ever see this. It is the imperial trinket. An ancient bone retrieved from the debris around a once radiant black hole. Scholars tell me, Keitel, that eons ago a species lived around this deepness and built an engine to tap its polar jets. But something came upon them from the dark and killed them all. I know the tale one of the Evocate General's proofs that we must become mightier yet to survive. Of course you do. But now this bone is a predator 
It feeds on the gap between what you have and what you want. Did you use it against the Praetoriate? Yes, and do you know what I found? That you could not, because you wanted nothing. I was lost, Keitel, adrift in a fog, utterly unable to desire or need. All I could do was be. The bone has nothing to feed on if the wielder wants nothing. Yet ever since your birth, I have been reawakened. Keitel, I have prized above all else the ability to want. The hunger to exist as more than mere existence. That is what I want now. To feel, to be more than just a being. And that's the end of that entry. When I read this entry, I fucking lost my shit. Like, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, the entire Cabal history... Maybe not the entire Cabal history, but everything since Callus has revolved around a freaking Aham Carabone. Are you freaking kidding me? Like, and I was I was driven mad for like days because I got my collector's edition before Myth did, and I was like, we have to talk about this. We have to talk about this now, and we have to talk about this in depth. And he was like, I don't know what you're talking about because I I don't know what it is yet. I cannot, yeah. I, I genuinely cannot fathom that level of tomfuckery that has gone on here. Like, the entire reason Callus was able to overthrow the Praetorian, like, how, and that's kind of like, a, that's like, a, that's like a, uh, like a, like a, revela- like a boom, lightning bolt hit my brain type moment of like, how the hell did this one lonely cabal overthrow the government? Like, how the hell does something like that happen? And this is it. And Aham Carabone, he wanted to overthrow it. He wanted to, to become powerful. Therefore, he is now. Feeding time. Which this also brings up another very important point about Aham Karas. Even their bones are that level of powerful that a dead Aham Kara and just its bone can, can do this. Still has that ability to grant the wish to grant to feed off that desire that's mind blowing how powerful that being can be to even in death and rotted away and literally just I, I mean we're talking a knob of a bone so this could be like a like a piece of a shin bone or something like that that's all you need and and you can you can wish and grant wish be wish granted and mind blown <laughs> mind genuinely blown at this well let's back up a tick okay so I don't necessarily think that the bone played a part in the overthrowing of the Praetoriate. Oh, okay. Because Keitel asks him, did you use it against the Praetoriate? And he says, yes. And do you know what I found? That I could not because oh. I wanted nothing. So he, and this is this is something about Callus that um, I... So as as we know him in game now, it's very easy to be like, yeah, he's he's a bad guy. He's not cool. He's very self-centered. He's very full of himself. You know, he sure. is ego given form. Sure. Uh I don't think he was always that way. I think he had a point of corruption similar to oh. Aldrin. Oh. 
And I think that I, if I recall correctly, he came into the emperorship the same way previous emperors have. Um, but emperors were a figurehead. The Praetoria right. is the one that made all the decisions. And the Praetoriate was making very bad decisions for the general populace's well-being. Um, you, you know, again, we have a history of the Cabal series. You can get all hey, of this check in depth. that out, too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, Which, after reading from, this, I, th- I told Myth, I was like, we might need to amend our Cabal series. <laughs> <laughs> well, from what I remember, he became emperor. I, you know, saw the the... He deemed the militaristic ways of the Praetoriate to be not good for the people. Yep. And I personally, I think at this point in time, Callus was actually a very altruistic leader. Oh, um, okay. I, I think his rebellion against the Praetoriate was a hundred percent him and he couldn't use the bone because he didn't want anything. He was merely carrying out what his people wanted. Interesting. Okay, so I was I was taking it a little bit differently. I was I was thinking of it in the aspect that uh he wanted better for his people and that want there is what helped that that Aham Carbone help him overthrow the government. I didn't I've never thought of it as like uh like his actual want was was nothing, therefore the bone couldn't feed. I just thought right. it was like like he wanted he wanted better for his people and and this was a way to get there and so therefore the 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 wish being granted was okay well we'll make a better place for your people by overthrowing by having you overthrow the government and then put you in power but then at that point in time that's where it's like now he has what he wants and then the bone couldn't feed anymore so the bone had to create a a another want in him to feed again but I never, I never even thought of it as as that idea, though. That's interesting. So that that is possible. Um, there's there's definitely some room for interpretation here. Um, it's just that he he at least states that he was unable to use it again. Right. That he tried um, to use it against the Praetoriate, but that he found he could not. Right. Uh, now. Yeah, like it, it could be. Did he? Was it happening? And he didn't know it. Like. That was that was kind of like my, yeah. That was kind of like my idea of approach. Is like it's it's happening around him, and it didn't happen the exact way he wanted it to. So therefore, he thought it didn't work. That's very possible. Um, but regardless, he entered this time period where he he didn't have any desires, and for lack of a better term, the the thing that I can equate this the most closely to is is almost a form of like depression that's that's what i was thinking like depression or 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 like uh not not empathy depression that's probably the better because it's it's or not empathy what am i thinking of uh where you you just don't care about anything uh apathy apathy Apathy. there you go Very similar words, very different meanings. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> apathy. Like I, I, I thought of it as a, as like a like an apathetic callus of just like, eh, whatever happens happens. I don't give a shit. Like that. That's that's what I was thinking of. But I maybe it wasn't that. Maybe it is a, a form of depression. But I guess the two can be kind of associated together, right? Like if you yeah. are that level of depressed, you're just like I don't give a shit anymore. Like, yeah. 
and he he so thoroughly felt this lack of desire for anything that the ahamkara could not feed off him yeah i can i can relate to that <laughs> I, I i feel your pain callus i get it <laughs> and so one of two things happened i think either either he finally had a desire at some point of i want to feel something oh sure and that wish the the granting of that wish was Keitel being born yeah which allowed him to feel want even more it allowed him to feel love towards his daughter. I allowed him to feel like, yeah, it, 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 it kickstarted this. I I've had an emotion. I want to keep having emotions. Yeah. I want to like revel in this feel good yeah. in any way that I can. Uh, or alternatively, his daughter was born separate of the wish magic and her being born is what allowed him to feel something. And oh, I see that was saying. the catalyst for the wish of yeah. I want to I want to always be loved. Or I yeah. I want to always I you know I want my daughter to always be uh thinking of me. Um and because we know that he was obsessed with Keitel and not in a healthy oh way. Yeah, yeah. Like killed her dog like he he couldn't stand the idea of her having more affection towards yeah. something else than than him yeah and uh and we know he he turned into did, this did very he, did he kill the did he kill the no he didn't kill the mother he threw her out though didn't he we yeah we don't ever get direct uh confirmation as to what happened to her we just know that she's she's never been a part of Keitel's life. Yeah, like I I want to say like Keitel was the only I want to say Keitel was the only child of the brood because it's not it's again this isn't a cabal series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she uh, she was the only child from that mother. Yeah, hundred percent. And then and then Callus had that mother like thrown out, and I think he took on another uh, for a limited time, but he but never actually yeah had children no, exactly. So, um, but yeah, so some either prior, either Keitel was born because of an Ahamkara wish or her being born made him make the wish of, you know, I always, I want to be loved or I always want, I think it's probably something along the lines of, I always want to be a part of my daughter's life and in traditional Ahamkara fashion, they went, Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> you didn't say how. <laughs> yeah. Um, you want to be now, hated by her for the rest of eternity? Sure. All right. There you go. Cool. Uh, She'll never forget you. That's for damn sure. Exactly. Jesus. That's either either version of that is still like holy shit, right? Like if Kyle right. is just the byproduct of a wish, like damn, that's. That's kind of shitty, but also the idea of like, oh, you never want your daughter to forget you? Okay, she'll hate you and resent you for the rest of eternity. <laughs> that kind of sucks, too. <laughs> yeah, so I think Keitel was either A, the product of a wish, or her personality is the product of a wish. Absolutely. 
one one way or the other, I think, is true. And now here's something that just further cinches that. Take Keitel's name. C-A-I-A-T-L. Remove the C and remove the L. And what do you get? Oh, shit. It's Iot. <laughs> it is. Son of a bitch. I never... How did you come to... How did you figure that out? <laughs> did your, like, thumb, like, glance over the sea once and you go, huh, that looks kind of like Iot. Oh, my God, that looks like Iot. <laughs> Not exactly, but something along Holy those lines. Holy <laughs> shit. Holy shit. Dude, you have no idea how mind-blown that just made me. Keitel's name has the word Iot in it, and that's the so... God. And for, for those that are not familiar, uh, Iot is a phrase most typically used by the hive, but is sometimes used by the worm gods. Uh, and it means, essentially, I say, therefore it is. Good, good God. Good God, man. What have we done? So. What have we done? What, what, what have we discovered? <laughs> That's mind-blowing. That's genuinely it's, mind-blowing. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I, ne- I never even that's 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 shit <laughs> I, don't, I have nothing for that that's just blew my mind now we're not done yet with the cabal okay um because we have actually had a hint about all of this or at least about nahamkara bone being play at play in the cabal government since d2 vanilla collector's edition Get the fuck out of here. So uh, in there, Callus is describing the coup and about how much he hates particular members of the coup. Right. And in that, in reference to Keitel, he says, I could have stopped the coup. You alone knew of my special arrangement. But when I raced to my throne to give the signal, you were there. You sat on my throne with the signal in your fist. And when I reached out to beg, you crushed the bone in your gauntlet. Father, you said, I will not be weak. Holy shit. Now, the, the only shit. hint, the only hint there is that it was a bone. Yeah. But but now what we have other the bones there are worth what? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Now we have the connection out. That's do you realize how many years that connection spans? D2 Vanilla Launch Collector's Edition, September of fuck, what was that? Five years ago, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And Lightfall, like that's how far of a gap that we had to like bridge those two lore entries and go, shit, she just she crushed it on Hamkara Bone, and was like, yeah, you don't get to make wishes. Sucks to suck, yep. bro. Like, ah, ah. he he would have wished for the coup to be unsuccessful, but he had showed her as a child in that previous entry. You see this bone. It lets it lets me make wishes. It makes things come true. And so she knew about it during the coup to go find it and destroy it. Holy shit. Holy shit. Now, the other question we have to ask ourselves here. Is while Keitel held this bone, did she 
consciously or subconsciously make a wish. Get the get the sh- God damn it. God dang it. <laughs> now we don't we don't have anything to point to if she did what it might have been, but she had it for wish, some wish period of time. A wish. <laughs> yeah. Shit, right? Like what what kind of top fuckery is this? Like I don't even know. Oh man, dude! Wish magic is awesome. Like I, I just the idea of of wish magic and 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 that even that that series of events that happened there. Like we don't know which one predicated the other or which one was the result of the other. But again, mm-hmm. thinking of of wish magic, can we think of wish magic wish magic as being uh, paracausal? Does it does it have to have a a cause and effect thing, or or is it like like I ought it is because I say it is. Uh, wish magic is described as paracausal in different lore entries, some of which we will read through uh, either tonight or next episode. So there we go. Then that's uh, yeah. It doesn't even have to be a a. It doesn't need a reason to to be this happened because of this and this wish is that and yeah. No, I damn man. Mm-hmm. So. We know the Ahamkara hung out at Harmony. They that was, uh, was going to be the other spot that I touched on too. Like Callus mm-hmm. talks about, I pulled this out of the out out of the 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 death of a of a of the black hole and the and the engine around it. I'm assuming yep. the engine being the the gift mast. Yeah, uh, and then of course the the Ahamkara bone being what was left after the deep got to it, after the darkness, after the hive got to it. Yep. Which means that the Hive fought and killed Ahamkara in their attack on the Harmony. Yep. So, uh, yeah. Um, so we know they hung out with the Harmony. This bone came to the Cabal and potentially had, potentially shaped the entire Cabal Empire from the point of Callus as Emperor onwards. And that's just uh, mind blowing. <laughs> yeah. And eventually, they arrived at our front door in Seoul. And uh, what you may not be familiar with is that the Ahamkara arrived during the Golden Age, shortly after the Traveler arrived. I, th- I think they just follow the paracausality. I think they do. I think, think I think that's a pretty definitive thing then. The, if if their power itself is is paracausal, uh but having another paracausal entity around helps them feed. Like I I don't know, man. Maybe maybe they do just follow the trap. Maybe they are of the light. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. But uh but yeah, so we get confirmation that the Ahamkara are around during the golden age. Uh, from the Taken King Collector's Edition, specifically Cade's journal within that. Um, so Cade is essentially doing bodyguard work during this time uh, for various high-profile members. Uh, and in his journal, for one of his entries, he writes this. The coast is different, beautiful and unbroken and timeless. And it teems with new life. Every big brain in the system has their sights on the academy. We were there for the Ahamkara, parasitic reptilian critters that appeared out of thin air one day, 
Inexplicable genome, made of new proteins altogether. So much potential. And me? Well, I'm there for her. Dr. Maya Sundaresh. She's poured into the research on the brink of another breakthrough, focused on devouring every new data point. That's the end of that little snippet. So that's that that's Cade Six prior to uh, the collapse, right? This is yeah. This is Maya Sundaresh, who's the uh, we talked about her a bunch in our closed brace stuff. Uh, she's the leading uh, scientist on Vex, everything Vex, uh, and that's where her her main lab is is the Ishtar Collective on Venus. Mm-hmm. So we uh, we know that the Ahamkara were around during the Golden Age. Now we don't have it any real uh, record of them doing anything for people during the golden age or interacting with them in any way other than Cade here noting that they are reptilian and that they're parasitic. So they, they knew that much. And, and everything of the golden age has always been associated with the traveler itself, right? Like the, the idea of tripling lifespan, the hell, even, even, uh, um, (laughs) <laughs> I hate to say Clovis Bray, but even Clovis Bray and 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 uh, pretty much every every uh, scientific advancement within the Golden Age is associated with the Traveler, correct? Either directly or indirectly, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I didn't know if there was any one entry that was like, "Hey, we were nowhere near the Traveler, and all of a sudden the life sprang from the ground below us." Weird. <laughs> no, nothing like that. Okay. Um. So we know they're around during the Golden Age. Uh, we also have one entry that I could find about their remains being not really used, but around during the Dark Ages, post-collapse. Interesting. So, so they could have fought along, well, maybe not alongside, but against the darkness there and possibly been taken down. Right. I. Uh, perhaps went into hiding because we we do know that they they survived the collapse they right. they do reappear in the system after the the collapse but there are some of their bones um presumably on earth during that are found during the dark age uh specifically by iron lord gellion um and so I'm not going to read the whole entry because it's not really related to them but in the iron lord gellion uh, grimoire card from Rise of Iron, uh, it specifically states this. Between the roots of the ash tree that covers his den, Gellion has stacked the fallen bones collected from the one-night operation. Scavenged pieces of, a, of an Ahamkara, several jumbled coyote skeletons, and a fossil mastodon skull are mixed in with them. So, he has ahamkara bones interesting just chilling in his his den his you know room essentially because that's a good thing for an iron lord to have just children i guess for an iron lord it wouldn't be too bad it was warlord where now we're talking a different story yeah although you know if they're just sitting in the corner whispering <laughs> things like probably who knows what good, desire right? they picked up <laughs> yeah. like if if you really want to go spin foil with it you could argue that the in the entire reason the iron lords fell and rasputin even thought to use siva was 
potentially because Holy of a, an errant wish. Holy shit. Dude, wish magic is fucky. It's fucky, man. It is. It is. So, but we know these were in Iron Lord Gellion's domain. Okay. These Ahamkara bones. Which, which again, wouldn't be far-fetched because if the Ahamkara, again, thinking back to Harmony, had been, had fought against the darkness there, lost, um, hundreds, or who, who knows how many had been killed there. Um, yeah. Or had fled, uh, they see this collapse happening. They're like, "Oh, this is darkness again. We've seen this happen before." Yeah, of course we're going to go into hiding. Like that, just yeah, that's 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 logic. That makes sense to me. Right now, although we have that one instance of Ahamkara bones existing on Earth post collapse, presumably the first living Ahamkara that is found post collapse is Riven. Uh, and we get to see her being found um, in a couple of lore entries here. Uh, the first one comes to us from the book, The Awoken of the Reef, uh, Telic 1. And I, at the near the end of Telic 1, it says this. Gather in one place, Aldrin warned her, and you might make yourself a target. Mara had considered this and found an answer. Go forth and find me a power unknown to all the other powers of this world. Return it to me, and I shall make of it the cornerstone of my new city, where the Awoken shall dream of all they have been and all that is yet to come. And so Aldrin went out voyaging amongst the worlds, swift as a blue-shift ghost. And in time, he returned to the reef with a creature no larger than his hand, saying, Behold, sister, the lie that makes itself true. This is an Ahamgara. That's the end of that entry. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as as far as like a, a living Ahamkara, this is the first one uh, either made known to to the soul system since the collapse, right? Like this is the very first, right? Very first. So we're talking, God. So we're talking the entire distributary time uh, has gone by. Petra's uh, again. I go off of Petra's kind of like sixteen hundred years. Um, that's a long time for them to just stay hidden. Yeah. And presumably not be feeding that entire time. Yeah. Are are probably in some like form hibernation of hibernation or, yeah. or, you know, that's likely why Riven is so small. Not necessarily because she was a baby, but oh, she was just she couldn't get deprived. Yeah. Interesting. I I always thought of Riven when she was first discovered as a baby Ahamkara, but right, no, yeah. I th- I think you're more right there. If it's such a long time to feed, they can't grow, they can't do anything, and if they are a shapeshifter, like they're going to just get as small as they can to conserve as much energy as they can, I would think. And then, and right. I, I think that's another important thing to touch on too. We always talk about this 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 energy transfer, like this that's the whole thing of of like I mean that's that's how we as humans exist. We we take the energy from the food that we eat and our body uses it. Um and then exerts it, and then it transfers into heat, and then goes out in the world as heat energy. Because, again, thinking of, of law of conservation for energy, uh, it can't be decre- created or destroyed. It can only be transferred. 
So, uh, yeah, to, to think of an ahamkara in terms of like a scientific point of view of like, hey, where's this energy coming from? Where's it going? Again, trying to equate that to video game thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, the best the best we can do is is that, and I I think that's I think that's pretty apt. There is is to think of like this this ahamkara riven uh, being so energy deprived that it's just shrunken into into just you know barely mm-hmm. the size of his hand. Yeah, no, absolutely, and um, and we saw in our earlier reading from uh, Telic Two earlier this episode. You know, this is the Ahamkara that names himself Riven, um, that then assists Mara with the building of the Dreaming City. Um, and we can see uh, Riven doing that. And, you know, again, Riven is can't really feed off Mara, but that doesn't mean she's just going to be complacent with whatever Mara wants. Uh, and so we see in the Gauntlets of the Great Hunt which are the Titan gloves from the last wish raid. Uh, They state, I am Riven. My work on the Dreaming City is complete. I have done everything the Queen has asked of me. But this is a bargain. I did so much more than that. The queen and her ilk will not understand for some time, though I think the queen can see the signs. What I carved into the small corners in the wall itself. This will be a beautiful city, but not a safe city. That's the end of that entry. This this is why it's important to read your armor and read your guns, read all your lore entries, because I didn't even know about this one. I'm getting this is more mind blowing shit for me. What the yeah. hell is she carving? What and what it? What the hell? Yeah, so we're gonna remember that entry. Uh, I as hope we... so, because my school brain won't. <laughs> as we get into um, some some other things that happen. Okay. Um, so the the piece that I was gonna look at here next comes from the lore card entitled Riven from the book The Dreaming City. Uh and here Riven says something interesting about why Riven is living amongst the awoken in general. Um so Mara asks Riven. Amkara have no traditions. No, Riven responds. No sentiments. No. Mara bites off a piece of thread. Why did you allow my brother to spirit you away? You know this truth, wise queen. He is so full of succulence. Mm, and then why do you roost here when there is rich hunting beyond my reef? Truly, I say to you, the Awoken have entrusted what will be to you, their queen, and thus they are all dry as stone to me. Pleasantly so, for wetness is sweet feed, but dry stone is a friendly basking place. You 
You are as hot and flat as the plateaus of mercury, and your heat stirs my blood to move. I'm going to end the reading there. Ooh. So Riven is saying that the Awoken, for so long as their queen is there, and that they have faith, absolute faith in her, they are more or less immune to the Ahamkara. Yep. Because the Ahamkara cannot feed off something when that something has no, has no belief that things won't turn out the best possible way because they believe that strongly and that absolutely in Mara's leadership. Isn't that awesome? The Awoken people just have that level of faith in their leader. That's that's awesome. I think that's cool. I think that's it pretty is cool. cool. Uh, now, what this allowed is for a couple of things. Um, it allowed for the Awoken to have many Ahamkara visit the Dreaming City and converse and associate with the Awoken people in general. That's, that had to have been a cool scene of like, just walking down the street and there's like 10 dragons just like hey what's up what's up bill how you do how you doing bill i had to create someone i haven't created someone <laughs> right, in so long right bill bill the ahamkara <laughs> he's just he's just chilling and his his buddies uh are like hey steve and then they're like hey what's going on great now i created two steve and bill steve <laughs> steve the ahamkara and bill the ahamkara hmm i like it well, there you go i but no, I, I mean, think about it, though. That, that would be like, that would have been the best time to visit the Dreaming City. To, to these street, and again, Dreaming City, as we see it, is a very corrupted, malformed version of itself. To see these streets of awoken architecture and amethyst crystal be lined with not only awoken people, but also wish dragons in various forms coexisting and just that would be so cool now that's not to say that all of them had the best of intentions so we have a bit of a uh, warning here about the ahamkara interactions in the dreaming city as well okay uh so this one, if you go to the Dreaming City and you go to uh, the tree in the garden um, of the Dreaming City, I think it's uh, Garden Elysia? of Elysia? Elysia, something like that. If you go to the garden, there's this one tree on a pedestal in the middle. Uh, that tree is a monument and a marker for an event that happened there that dealt with an Ahamkara. That event is described in the book, The Dreaming City, under the chapter Azurim. And it goes like this. When the second solstice began in earnest, many awoken and Ahamkara alike came to the Dreaming City to celebrate the delirious pleasure of being alive. Those who came arrived in the gardens of Celia, and Azrim was the very last. 
Seeing him land, Ocelia said to him, Ah, you are bold. Do you think you've earned the right to revel in this place? And Azram answering, said, Please, wise lady, I've gone round the worlds and through the stars themselves. I have come only to congratulate your people. If you lend me your ear, I can prove that I will not waste the mercy you might grant me. And Ocelia said to him, We've often lent our ear to your indiscretions. I know what happens to that which is lent to you. I need no assurance. And Azram answering said, My indiscretions, wise lady, I do admit, I may have whispered truths you gave me to deceive those who would deceive me, but have I ever struck out with hungry fang against your people? Have I set fire to your trust? I have seen the error of my ways truly. Let me prove to you, oh, how I have changed. And Asilia, though she could see a flickering in Azarim's reflection, could not resist a redemption story. And Asilia cast forth her hand and beckoned to Azram in mercy. And Asilia said to him, Join us and be glad, but let me hear your testimony first. And so invited, Azram bowed his crested head and hid a secret smile, and spoke with the pardon Ocelia had given him. And he recounted his many regrets in deceiving the kind merchants in the capital city of Interamina. He recounted his charity to the wayfaring corsairs who could not have escaped the heliopause without his aid. He recounted his journey to retrieve the Utex stolen from palace by the profane scavengers, the fallen, and he named his friends and those who had shown him kindness. And from the raucous parties beyond the lush gardens of Ocelia came an audience of Techians in training and flush-cheeked young corsairs, and they knelt in the dewy grass and listened, and as they listened, and as Azarim spoke, his appetite grew and grew, and night fell on the dreaming city. And Azram said to those who knelt enraptured in his story, Come, let me sing to you of extinction. Let me sing to you of lives lost in beautiful places, O audience mine. Sing with me, sing! He bade them rise, and led them singing down and away from the gardens of Ocelia, and he spread his wings and flew out into the empty air beyond the steep cliffs that bordered the gardens, and to those who happened to glance towards the garden from a far-off pavilion, it seemed a merry parade, a joyous chorus, and they did not hear the singing stop, and they did not hear the bodies dash against the shore below, and they did not see Azarim grow in size, or laugh, or flee when the deed was done. And that's the end of that entry. Holy shit. There's always got to be one bad apple. <laughs> <sighs> Damn it, Azarim. We had, we had a nice thing here. 
that that oh audience mind like that's that as soon as you said that i was like that's the deal that's it that's game over that's like he literally shit shit (laughs) damn it azarum so needless to say this event uh and some other some other you know ahamkara are never a hundred percent you know altruistic with their their wishing oh yeah Um, yeah but this event in particular really keyed off the need to be able to communicate a desire without or with as little as possible repercussion and so mara came up with an idea and we see that idea in the helm of the great hunt uh, which is the titan helmet from last wish and it says the queen would like to improve her means of bargaining with me and she has implied that i use the space between words to make bargains to my advantage how dare she she knows me too well what the queen wants the techians move worlds to obtain and so the witches devise an impossible machine that speaks a visual language with very few spaces between its words. This machine speaks wishes, makes bargains. The wall of wishes, it is called. If the Techian's designs prove correct, it will be difficult for me to interpret the wishes made at the wall to my own advantage. But challenges entice me. I look upon the wall, upon the witch's visual language for bargains, and for me, it is a menu of delights to feast upon. That's the end of that entry. That's so awesome. There's a there's a lore entry for why the wall of wishes works the way mm-hmm. it works. I that's so fucking cool. Like I I love when they they can tie stuff in like that so like that's the whole reason we have that entire visual agent like even the 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 ahamkara here talks about like uh mara saying the 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 space between words as being that that's that space that that he that that she doesn't want him to feed on because even mara looks at like the the that's that's a big thing of hers is that communication right like the words that aren't said in a conversation are their own conversation itself and therefore spoken word is a is a poor communication tool mm-hmm. uh tomorrow so yeah to even to even come up with this idea of this this visual language um is that's that's super cool that i mean she essentially reinvented hieroglyphics that's yeah that's fucking awesome yeah so say with that uh, I think we're going to end that here for this episode. Um, so to do a, a quick recap, because a lot happened. Ahamkara were theorizing, born in the garden. They showed up in Harmony. Harmony tried to weaponize them against the hive and failed. They, a bone from that conflict ended up in the hands of the Cabal for who knows how long, honestly. I... Uh, Callus called it the imperial, um, imperial trinket, something yep. along those lines. Yep. So, presumably, could have been in the hands of previous emperors for a very long time. Dude, I didn't even, I didn't even think of that idea either. The fact that it is an imperial trinket, 
mm-hmm. means that it could have been in that line for years. I mean, that could have been how every Jesus, that could have been how every Cabal Emperor stayed in power. That could, be, that, that could be why Cabal lived for so long. Dude, that is the idea of a of an Aham Carbone being in possession by the Cabal at any point in time for any number of years is just that that's crazy yeah. talk. That's mind blowing. The repercussions that has on the entire Destiny universe is like mind blowing. <laughs> so Cabal were influenced for sure in some way. Uh, the Ahamkara came to Seoul, were seen during the Golden Age, disappeared during the collapse. Some of them were killed from the remains that Lord Gellion found and were revitalized with the, fi- the discovery by Aldrin of Riven and the building of the Dreaming City as seemingly almost a neutral ground for the Ahamkara to come visit, that they couldn't really feed off anyone, um, but they were still plenty dangerous. And uh, so Mara created this Wall of Wishes specifically to communicate with Riven her, her wants for the dragon. Uh, and there's a lot more of the story to tell next time. Yeah. Well, there's there's one other thing I wanted to touch on too with the with the Dreaming City, uh, yeah, and that's the the amethyst itself. Uh, and again, shoot me for jumping ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole reason the amethyst there exists uh, is because wish dragons have a hard time distinguishing between reflection and and reality. So, the, it is a form of protection for the Dreaming City uh, to not have just willy-nilly wishes going willy-nilly yeah the the reflective surfaces and amethyst in particular for whatever reason diminish the powers of ahamkara um that is stated on uh some of the investigation patrols that you do in the dreaming city uh the techie and i think it's sadia um yeah will talk one of the options in some of the areas is like some of the amethyst uh, walls and she'll she'll talk about how uh, that's why they're there and it makes sense that it's everywhere because yeah. they had ahamkara just freely wandering the dreaming city for quite some time all righty well a uh, little bit of a shorter episode here because we're again we're going to continue this on with a with a second part of it uh that'll that'll be uh, possibly a shorter episode uh but uh yeah let's uh let's do some shout outs then Yeah, so uh, one shout-out for this episode uh, coming to us from Audible this time around uh, by an anonymous user who is still kind enough to leave us a five-star review there. So thank you very much. Are are you Batman? Anonymous (laughs) user, are you Batman? I could be anybody, right? Could be anyone. Could Could be be Bruce Wayne. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, they say... um, I absolutely love listening to these guys while I work. They really highlight some of the both major lore and more subtle stories. Highly recommend them to anyone that either wants to get into Destiny lore or catch up on what's been happening. Uh, fantastic series for lore buffs. So thank you. Oh, thank you. I, I, the, the, the little stories are the ones that get me. Like they, they feel so much more personal than like mm-hmm. the big overarching like, 
here's the history of the cabal. Like that stuff is cool and awesome and great, but those little stories like Shaira's, oh my god, yeah, that was oh, oh. <laughs> still reeling from that one. That one was a good one. All right, so, yeah. Uh, any other shout outs? Uh, that's our only specific shout out for the night, but you know, thank you to everyone that, that tunes in and, and listens. Um, if you do feel strongly enough to leave a review, please do so on your, your platform of choice. Uh, if you feel super strongly and you want to leave a text review, I uh, on assuming your platform allows that we do go through and, uh, read those and, and, you know, get a lot of enjoyment about seeing what you guys like. Uh, and uh, if you want to just hit us up outside of that, we also have a Twitter at Myths and Stories, uh, Z instead of an S. And uh, you may hear yourself on a future shout out. Uh, anything else, Myth? That's it. All righty. Well, then from all of us lore nerds uh, to all of you guardians there, we'll see you next week. <laughs>